Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. And joining me from Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good afternoon, guys. Good to see you. And joining us from, you know, across the world, Dylan Williamson, New Zealand. The power of modern technology zooming me into your ears. Good morning. And the power of modern technology is all of our teams are somewhat successful-ish. I don't know. We <laughs> might all make the playoffs. There's a chance that we could play each other and have yeah. bitterly exchanged words and heart, you know, hurt feelings and quit the pod and never speak to each other again in like less than a month's time as the playoffs are less than 30 days away, at least play in. There's even like the possibility that the Kings could play the Lakers in the first round and then the Clippers in the second round or something. It's not it's it's not impossible that we two of our teams have to face both. off. Yeah, on the, on their way to the finals. It's it's not even implausible that the Lakers and Clippers could play each other in the play in, and then the winner could play the Kings. That that's probably more plausible than the second round, but yeah. Yeah. All right, well let's work our way down the standings. Aaron, Sacramento, you guys have captured the two seed. You have a precarious tiebreaker over the Memphis Grizzlies. How are we feeling? I feel fantastic. I guess during the All-Star break, we spoke, and I predicted the Lakers would miss the plan, and you predicted the Kings would miss the plan. It looks like we're both going to be fine. Um, the, this, the brutal schedule that the Kings started out with apparently is nothing, and they've gotten pretty much every single injury break in terms of that the other team is just never healthy when we play them, but we've been 8-1 since the All-Star break, and these are great. We have a 99% chance to make the playoffs according to 538. How do you feel about your chances of advancing? Well, it doesn't matter because the goal was playoffs, I think I actually feel really good. Because we, we have continued to, to, to beat good teams. What I've started to realize is that we keep playing these teams, and, and Dame misses, and Kawhi misses, and Kevin Durant misses, and X, Y, and Z. It's Not all the teams are just going to be magically healthy come playoff time. That's kind of what they are. If you can beat the Suns without Kevin Durant, you could probably beat the Suns. Because they might not have Kevin Durant. There, there, there's that just tossed up into the air that not all teams will just be. And they're healthy. Here we go. Playoff time. Um, Durant seems to be fragile in that way. Um, the same thing for like Dallas. We beat Dallas without Luka, and then we, we lost them without Luka, then we beat him with Luka. So it's, that's up in the air. We've been able to beat Memphis while they're healthy, and I feel pretty good. If we have home court advantage versus Golden State, just go to seven and win that and win all the home games, and it'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Do one of you guys have... Um... The Warriors road record handy. Yeah, I can. I can. Warriors are twenty-eight and seven on twenty-eight and seven at home, and seven and twenty-six on the road. That's insane. The only teams with less road wins are the Spurs and the Rockets. And this is the team that I'm like still trying to argue as a fringe championship contender, and they're because the freaking Spurs and the Rockets whenever they go <laughs> away from home. <laughs> You'd have to argue that they're a championship contender because of how good they can look. But something interesting yesterday, Steve Kerr was talking about Andrew Wiggins, and he basically said he hopes that Wiggins can come back at some point this season. I don't know what Wiggins has been going through. They've kept that very close knit. But gone from oh he's going to come back to maybe he's going to come back and that's a, that's a really big deal in terms of the warriors championship aspirations having wiggins back i pulled up the warriors on off numbers there because you always hear like hey their starting five is is so great and, and i kind of just wanted to look into that and see all right well well how great what what does this look like and when you've got all five of the Warriors, uh, Curry, Thompson, Green, Wiggins, and Looney, they are plus 23 points per 100 possessions. Their their offensive rate is 132 points per 100 possessions. They're, it's even better than the Kings. It, it's insane. They're blowing teams out of the water this year. Um, it, but they just, it, they've only played 331 minutes together. 
like the entire year. That That's not a lot of minutes. Um, and if you take the big four of Curry, Thompson, Green, and Wiggins without Looney, there's negative six and a half points per 100 possessions. Their mm. lack of size behind in Looney um, is really worrisome. The fact that Wiggins hasn't played for a couple of months is worrisome. The fact that, you know, Curry's just coming back from this injury and he looked good. I watched them play Milwaukee last night. You know, no one no one hits someone else's heat check like Steph Curry does. Clay hit back-to-back threes, and Curry's like, this is fun. Let me chuck one from, like, 40 feet <laughs> and knocks it down. I'm like, that was supposed to be Clay's heat check, but you were just, like, coming in cold. I haven't hit a shot this whole quarter, but the crowd's in it. Let me, let me just steal your heat check and knock it down. And as good as they all looked, it took them overtime to beat a Giannis-less Milwaukee Bucks because Lopez was doing work. Jay Crowder was getting rebound. Like, Bobby Portis had 10 rebounds in the first half, and I just... I think I'm finally willing to say that I am I am out on the Warriors, and unless they play Memphis, I'm probably not picking them to to get out of the first round. Those Kings lineups, that lineup of Fox, Herder, Bards, Keegan, and Sabonis is just plus 3.7 in 1,600 minutes. So that's kind of come back down to earth, but they still have lineups like Ox, Monk, Herder, Harrison, Barnes, Sabonis, 140 minutes at plus uh, 22.9. Fox, Monk, Barnes, Metu, Trey, Lyles, 176 minutes at plus 20.6. There are matchups, but nothing scarier than that Warriors that Warriors death lineup. But I, they're, they're, their bench is uh, really bad. Even when Jordan Poole came in against that against uh, Memphis the other day, I think he was, his plus minus was negative 33 in a game that was not, not, not necessarily super close, but wasn't a 33-point loss, and that he can be kind of hit or miss. It's too many, too much duplication of the same guys. You know, Poole, Curry, Clay. You can kind of get away with playing the three of them together. Uh, and we've seen the pool party lineup look really good. But the problem is, is you can't shift away from that and do something else because your next best player is like Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, next outside of Draymond, and you just don't have big options. You keep you can keep rotating in other small guards and try to capture the pool party lineup, but you're kind of like always forced into it. And I don't think that's a, a good, successful way to play basketball. Right. And it's not necessarily that like those three guys can't be on the floor together. It's just that when they are, you have to have really complementary pieces to fill in the massive weaknesses that you get from playing those three yes. together. Andrew Wiggins is like a guy that in certain matchups can be that guy. And so for them to be missing him as well just hurts even more those lineups. And one thing that I think um, is a point that gets missed a lot whenever you have injuries or player absences is not just that, you know, your your next guy up has to have a bigger role, but it's now a guy that wasn't playing or that shouldn't be playing now has to come into a role. You were just talking about the lack of depth, especially in the big slots for the Warriors. That kind of compounding um, detriment can be really har- really harmful. Yeah, well... I know we're going to talk Clippers, but I just, that's a good segue into Phoenix, who after getting Durant wins three straight, Durant slips on a wet spot and is going to be out. Well, initially they said out to two to three weeks, and then I'm seeing it's, they're going to reevaluate him in two to three weeks. And if you're reevaluating him in two to three weeks. When are the playoffs? Like three or four weeks? uh, We are recording this March 12th. The play-in begins April 10th, ends April 14th. So yeah, that's... That is not much time. That is four weeks in one day. He's probably done for the regular season. In the games that we got to see, these are incredibly small sample size, so take from this what you will. But the big four of Paul, Aiton, Booker, and uh, Durant, plus 34 points per 100 possessions. Smoking teams. Paul, Booker, Aiton, without Durant, negative 24 points 
per 100 possessions. The, the lack of wing depth, and they're still not giving Baisley any run, which is just astounding to me. Uh, it feels like he could potentially help. Maybe they're just completely blindsided by how good he looked for OKC two years ago, and OKC was not trying to do anything, but their lack of wings around them. As soon as you pull Durant out, they are just so thin that they cannot compete with anyone. So I'm I'm really worried about them slipping into the play-in at this point. They still have such a big lead, though, looking at the standings. They're a distant fourth. They're three and a half games behind Memphis. Minnesota's 12, 12 games back from the one seed. Suns are just eight and a half. It would take some pretty significant slipping, and they're still super talented. Without Durant, their, their depth just kill, does kill them, but you wouldn't just have to play poorly. The teams below them would have to play really well, which with the way teams below them have been playing, I don't, I don't see that. Need one of those teams finishing like like ten or ten and six or not at ten and six but like twelve and four or something. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking is that they may be safe just by virtue of the fact that there's no one else that's really chasing them down. Like those sort of five through even eleven, which are all you know sort of want to be really well five through thirteen, which are like want to be playoff teams. There's no one really that's looking good, looking stable. You know, the West is kind of a shambles as you head deeper into the standings. Kind of with one exception that we'll get to later. I guess that's fair. I didn't realize that they were thirty-seven and thirty, and they're they're one. They've got one more win than the Clippers, who are thirty-six. But the Clippers have three more losses at thirty-three. So, like for the Clippers to fall into the play-in, that is a much easier thing that conceivably than the Suns. But just they're that that lack of depth that is bad. And I don't know that you really want to stay in the four-five matchup either, because you get the four-five, and then you got Denver in the first round. So maybe there are just enough teams that are, are pretty chill sticking out six and whatnot that no one's going to chase them. But Dylan, how are you feeling about your Clippers? Really quickly, can I give That's... a quick Denver update? Yeah. They they just played the Nets despite 35 points, 20 boards, and 11 assists from Jokic. The, the Nuggets lose at home, the Nets, for their third straight loss. Didn't they just lose? Who did they just lose to? Because it was another bad... Or kind of embarrassing loss that you should lost to Spurs. The Spurs. They lost to the Spurs. Mm. Yeah, I think it was Jokic's first loss with a triple double this year. Yeah, he and just Chicago. dropped a, a twenty rebound triple double, and they lost again to the Nets. And not looking good. This is disastrous for Jokic's MVP campaign, which we'll talk about later. But and no, seriously, it's a bad time to to falter because you get the narrative going the other way. It's hard to come back. Yeah. There's going to be a five-minute long video posted on Reddit tomorrow of just Jokic defensive lowlights in that Nets game. They're just going at him, and they're going to play that on ESPN. It's, it's, the train's going off the rails. The Nets have started to figure things out. You know, they won their first game post-trade. We had the All-Star break. They looked horrible for their next couple of games. Uh, they had a weird game where they like only played starters like 13 to 15 minutes because um, the bench was doing okay, I guess. I don't know. I think they're fine. I think it, I want them to keep sliding. But I like what Brooklyn's been, Brooklyn's versatility and just very switchable defensive. I really want to see them play Boston. That is just my dream playoff matchup for them. This is just a long road, a long winding road. For the Kings making the one seed. All roads lead there. Doesn't matter how long it takes, but eventually you get there. But Dylan, your Clippers, how do you feel? Currently you sit, currently you sit in the five seed, two games back from the four seed, a half game out of the six seed. Went three straight after a tough start to the Westbrook era. Yeah, and... Also, the um, you know, we were talking about five men lineups um earlier. Well, the five men, you know, the, the new starting five of um Westbrook, George, Leonard, Morris, and Zubats is now up over plus thirteen. They just um just surpassed the old starting lineup with Terrence Mann to be you know just a really solid five man unit. 
and some of the benches starting to click. Just getting healthy is the big thing, as always. It still just looks so clunky. You know, like the like you said, the winds are coming, but it just doesn't look good ever. Mm-hmm. Westbrook does actually has been contributing in that he's able to push the pace, but and that's like something that we need. And having Kawhi and George always gives you a chance but like it just never looks pretty it looks like guys that you know when you're like in the gym and you team up with just four random dudes and like no one seems to really like have a feel for each other even though it's like one new guy like the rest of these guys should know each other but the fact that we have been playing so poorly and Kawhi and George have missed a reasonable amount of time and still the five seed and now Kawhi and George are healthy and actually playing big minutes too. Like there's, there's no more, you know, Kawhi coming off the bench for 20 minutes again. Like this guy's playing sometimes into the mid to high 30s. He crossed 40 minutes once. Exactly. Adam Silver had to say that maybe we need to cut overtimes <laughs> and play to a target score. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kawhi hit 40 minutes. Can- cancel overtimes. Kawhi <laughs> played two games worth of minutes in a game. The Kings won. One game in the league wants to change how to win games. As soon as Sacramento starts doing shit, like, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like we should really uh, take a second look at this. Adam Silver just sitting there smoking a blunt and with Baron Davis being like, I don't know, man. Something's got to (laughs) change. He's just looking around. He's like, man, I don't recognize this league anymore. We've gone too far. The Sacramento Kings are competent, well-run and (laughs) well-coached. Got to change a bunch of stuff. You you cannot have two left-handed players on the court at the same time. Or you have to have only left-handed players on the court at the same time, like the New York Knicks. That's true. They see. I guess then they wouldn't make that rule because it hurts the Knicks. You have to have three. (laughs) You have to have three. There you go. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure in the last two Clippers wins, Westbrook played zero minutes in the fourth quarter. I think if they can keep that going... Um, not just at an anti-Westbrook stage, but I think his best role is not in crunch time. Just, play, just, just, just by name. Well, it's, it's interesting because I was watching them close out the Knicks and I noted, I'm like, all right, they've got Gordon out here. And Gordon was trying to run the point, which he's not great at. He's competent. Uh, but it, it, there was a sizable difference and they kind of didn't seem to know what they were doing. And I was, I was in the middle of typing up, like, I don't quite like how this looks or feels. And then Paul George got the ball, drove, kicked to Gordon. He knocked down a huge three. And everyone was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, it, that's something Westbrook can't do and won't give you is that that three-point shooting. And so I, I guess I'd rather have Gordon's ball handling. But it, Dylan's right. It looks clunky. It doesn't. It still doesn't seem like they know who their five are, which I, I would hope that you'd have an idea. Eric Gordon is so fast. He's still so fast. Drives me crazy. I've watched him play the Kings and the Clippers. He has this really, his face is so round. He's like a very round person, <laughs> yet he can, bl- I don't know what, I don't know how that like helps his, his aerodynamics, but he can just blow like by anybody. Like it's like a 39 year old Eric Gordon is just faster than De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. And I think he could be the one to close at the one. Um, Ty Lue talked about how he likes the fact that he not only shoots threes, but like he shoots deep threes. Yeah. And in the fourth quarter, like, you know, a lot gets made about this idea that the Clippers need a point guard and whatever, but when it's late in the fourth quarter, all you're doing is just, like, giving the ball to Kawhi. Like, you don't need elaborate sets. You don't need a point guard to make reads. You just, like, get the ball to Kawhi. And Eric Gordon is a guy who provides really strong spacing when Kawhi has the ball and has the ability to attack closeouts if need be. Whereas we saw early in the Russ era, soon after the trade and some of those losses, down the stretch when Westbrook's on the floor, 
teams were just leaving Westbrook to go double Kawhi. And it's like, well, you know, that brings a screeching halt to your offense. Whereas when you've got a guy that will happily spot up from 30 feet, provides a lot more, you know, there's a lot more space for Kawhi to do his thing, which is ultimately what you want closing out a game. I went and pulled up the three-man combinations of Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi. And one, the the trio has played 162 minutes together already this season. Just remember back to earlier, the Warriors starting five has played 320. So Westbrook, since deadline, has already played half as much as the entire Warriors starting lineup has together. With all three on the court, they're still negative about four points per 100 possessions. It's not great. But what's been interesting is... The Westbrook-Paul George combo without Kawhi, that has looked really good. Very, very small sample size and very, very weird to read sample size because it's only 19 minutes and they've used 13 different lineups that <laughs> that are Paul George and Westbrook. Yeah, so Tyler has no fucking idea what he's doing with those. <laughs> and, yeah, he's, he's just throwing stuff out there. But Westbrook and Paul George fit really well. And I've been thinking a lot about Westbrook as, as a number two or a number three. Because historically, Durant had one of his best seasons, or you know, some of his best seasons with Westbrook. Uh, Paul George got third place in MVP voting with Westbrook. Bradley Beal had one of his career years with Westbrook. And Westbrook is, he is a square peg that must go in the square hole. You can't put him in any other hole. He will drive, he will attack. And if you have a guy that can play off ball and catch and shoot, it works really well, which is why he and LeBron didn't, because that's not LeBron's specialty. Um, and neither player really was able to adjust. But but him and George without Kawhi, if that can, if you can run that for for you know five six minutes here or there on games and be in a lead offense and then be able to bring Kawhi back into that, that's that's really positive to look at. Can we hold a brief fifteen second mini funeral on the career of Bones Highland? Yeah, just <laughs> seven points per game, fourteen minutes a game on twenty nine percent shooting. May he rest in peace. And he was so excited to finally be out of Denver where he wasn't getting an opportunity to play. Um, got got to the Clippers, really happy to be there, and now he's DMP CD every night. The last two games, first Golden State versus Sacramento, two losses, he went one for nine, two for seven. I think that's it. I, I don't think it, for a team that desperately needs to jostle for a playoff position, they're, they're never going to look his way and, just, and risk that again. Not this year, but I do think it's kind of a long-term not great long or not like real long term but like next two three seasons acquisition because i think he will factor into their their future plans yeah and just a quick stat to what you're talking about before nate paul george 92nd percentile on spot up jump shots yeah that tracks does this mean it's lakers time it's lakers time fuck yeah the lakers got some lasers (laughs) not only lasers but they've also managed to defend well despite having like a starting lineup with D'Angelo Russell and um, freaking what's his name? Um, Malik Beasley. It's Vanderbilt's about to get paid. I think he's got one more year on his deal, but you get a good defensive player and you give him the limelight. I mean, I've, I've said dozens of times on here that the only reason I watched Minnesota play a couple years ago was to see Vanderbilt's defense. Like Vanderbilt, I've loved his, his play, his intensity, his ferocity. Now that he's in the limelight and now it seems like everyone loves him, he's going to get a huge contract somewhere. I mean, huge comparatively. Instead of signing somewhere for like three mil, he'll sign somewhere for like 10 to 12 mil. He's he's the next Alex Caruso. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm I'm talking about the other flamethrowers. I mean, the actual offensive flamethrowers. Because we've been, we struggled to create offense for a little bit when D'Lo went out. But 
your time. No, D'Angelo Russell's stats are hard to look at. <laughs> no, I was trying to pull up. Uh, gosh, I couldn't remember who we played. I was just drawing a blank. The Raptors. All right, so we're playing the Raptors. And we close with the three-guard lineup of Reeves, Schroeder, and D'Lo. And these guys, like, they're just running around Davis screens. They're, you know, hitting him with lob passes if he can get an inside seal against Toronto. And it was like one of the worst possible matchups for Toronto because they've got all of these wings who are not fast enough to stick with the small guards and not big enough to defend Davis. And, I mean, really the strength of that one game alone, the the three-man core of D'Lo, Schroeder, and Reeves is plus 40 points per 100 possessions. Yeah, I was just setting you guys all up, talking sweet about Golden State and being like, yeah, they're plus like 30. Oh, you know. Phoenix, they're plus like 30. Nah, D'Lo, Schroeder, and Reeves, plus 40 points per 100 possessions. My in goodness. 28 minutes. I feel like more than anything, it, the vibes are different. Got rid of the, got rid of Patrick Beverly and Westbrook. You used to experience something different, and it's part partly like Vanderbilt and Davis give you this awesome defensive front. D'Angelo Russell gives you offensive crea- creation you didn't really have before. It's just a much better team. But when the vibes are better, amplifies, amplifies that, uh, that basketball mm-hmm. ability. I think they're on. A, I think they're on a roll. I think when LeBron comes back, it's just going to be a lot of fun again with, with a really talented team. I feel like I'm more excited than Nate is. They're really good, man. Like they they look great. Yeah. Fuck it. Don't bring LeBron back. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need but him. seriously, this this is the first time this year where the Lakers have like seen them as a legitimate problem, and not just a team that's like, well, maybe they'll make the play in if they get hot. Because it's like Palinka finally realize what he stumbled into during the bubble year which is you've got lebron you've got anthony davis what should your team be well shooting and you know defensive focus you know def- defensive um minded and so what does he go out and get gets an awesome defender like vanderbilt and get some get some fucking lasers and now you add lebron into that and you've got an open floor and elite defense like the lakers are a top five defense basically since the trade if you just add in LeBron and you come into the playoffs where its best player wins the series as long as you're, you know, not an awful all-round team, and, like, you've got a shot in any game. Yeah. Well, and the other thing it did is it just shifted everyone down the roster a little bit. Schroeder, instead of starting, he's now our sixth man. Schroeder's yeah. been a sixth man of the year. Like, if Schroeder's your sixth man, you're in, in good shape. Troy Brown Jr., instead of getting the minutes he was getting, he's getting some minutes now. And he looks yeah, and really good in those smaller minutes. Like, I think he'll probably play even less because he's been playing at the three with LeBron out just because yeah. they need someone that can defend on the perimeter um, while starting those two small guards. And so I think once LeBron's back, he's going to get yeah. mitigated even more. I'm fine with that. This is the most roundabout way of describing what adding talent to a team does. <laughs> yeah, when you have better players, the worst players don't play as much. <laughs> When you have multiple good players, because I mean, like, yeah, this so is the problem with consolidating them into one good player is okay. that then that, you have to play more bad players more often. But if you split up the one good player, because you have to play 240 minutes a game, like that is five positions, 48 minutes, you got to fill 248. I think the Warriors is a concept kind of in a way killed the Lakers chances at continuing that 2020 core because for so long, it's just like, all right, we need a third guy. How can we be the third guy? Who's the third guy, though? Like, even when you won a championship without one, you're like, we can get a third guy. Let's, let's do it. Let's go all in. And that wasn't the recipe. But now we're back to, hey, two guys. It works. Oh. You have a really good team around them. I think what actually killed that Lakers team is Dennis Schroeder. They were in a <laughs> position where 
Dennis Schroeder was a free agent with bird rights. The Lakers were well over the cap and they needed a starting point guard. And so they had two options, which was either re-sign Dennis Schroeder for an absurd amount of money, get a point guard at the minimum and be terrible, or swing a trade for one of the least valuable contracts in the NBA. Um, And they opted for the third route. And in a way, Dennis Schroeder is actually responsible for all of the Lakers' troubles over the last couple seasons. Okay. I'm okay with that. That, <laughs> that analysis sounds fair to me. Back to championship construction. I feel like we get really locked into the idea that, hey, you're number one. You, you got like the number one guy, then you get the number two guy, then you get the number three. But like, if you think of rating players on like a one to 10 scale, the Shaq Kobe Lakers, Shaq and Kobe, like they're nines and tens. They're, they're elite. George and Fisher and Ori, they're like threes and fours. Whereas you can compare them to like other teams in that era, the Pistons, who knocked them off in 04. There is not a single Piston. It's your number one Piston, and you call it Billups. Billups is like a seven on that one to ten scale. Ben Wallace, he's maybe a seven on that scale. That Rashid Wallace is probably more like a six. Rip Hamilton is like a six. Tayshawn Prince, he's like a five. But that all works because it's it's a five-man thing. And so I think we get too locked into one, two, three. Your third's not as good as my third. If, if you just have, like, you need the sum of the parts to equal a higher number. The vibes have to be good. Yeah. You're talking just, it's just five-man vibes, man. And Lakers vibes are good. Nate, could you tell me your, if you had to pick a matchup, or I guess what, what would be your most feared playoff matchup and what matchup are you hoping for? You make the playoffs. I mean, I don't want to see be, Denver. I want to see Denver, yeah. Don't want to be the eighth seed. I don't want to, like, I think Denver's a brutal matchup. Um, I think they match up pretty damn well against the Lakers because... You just can play Jokic and drop all day. Um, like, I'm, I'm not worried about trying to step out and stop Davis. If Davis wants to hit mid-range shots against me all day, if I'm Denver, like, that's that's great. Um, Gordon is a huge, big physical defender to put against LeBron. I don't like how that, that works for the Lakers. I think that's a terrible matchup, and Denver's just a great team. Not going to lie, I'd really love to see Sacramento or Memphis. I think that... That would be really nice. You reach an interesting point where I don't know how you feel about this, but if I'm the Lakers, I think I want Memphis. Yeah, I think I prefer, and that 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 has not been the case in any other time we've talked about this. That the goal has always been let's get to Sacramento, let's play the inexperienced team. Sacramento has both looked good enough and has been consistent enough, but more importantly, the vibes in Memphis are bad. This is a vibes-based podcast today. Uh, we're just gonna rate <laughs> the vibes for each team, and the vibes in Memphis <laughs> is really bad right now, just off of the off of the Moran thing, but Shannon Sharp stole their their basketball ability. They've just been okay since then. It's been a really kind of meh part of the season for them. Are, are you suggesting that Shannon Sharp is actually a monster? <laughs> I think he does have monster. Have you seen him? He's like 60 in his 60s. He dude, dude looks better than I ever will. Definitely has some sort of like power sapping abilities. <laughs> yeah, that no, no 60 year old can pull off a cardigan quite like that guy. <laughs> but for, for Denver, I think a big part of their issues at the moment is they haven't had Steven Adams for a really long time. And it kind of Memphis. coincided with the start of, sorry, yes, Memphis. Um, and it kind of coincided with their slide. And we talk about the need for veteran players and, you know, leaders in the locker room and vibes guys. No one is a better vibes guy than Steven Adams. Exactly. But one thing that's brought up is that like, it can't be your 15th man. You know, it can't be a guy on the bench. If you want these young players to actually listen to a dude, it needs to be a guy that's like actually on the court and playing with them. And so when Steven Adams goes out of the rotation, like 
that affects not only Jar's ability to get space to get downhill with awesome screens, not only affects their ability to play defense inside and to rebound, but also like it does affect the vibes. And it's all about vibes. All about vibes. Adams is likely to miss the rest of the regular season. And then you kind of have to integrate him back in. But he's not just a plug-and-play center. He is kind of a matchup center in terms of... Because, I mean, last the last year he played when the other played when the other team played a center. And if they went small, he's just not on the court. You can't really take advantage of matchups like that. So, yeah, you're right in terms of someone who's going to be out there all the time. Did you guys see the picture of John Morant at the strip club? Just, like... Yeah. ass in his face and like you're like what's on the floor like what's covering the floor like covering every <laughs> inch of every surface yep. and it's just money that dude's never coming yep. back there is that's this is this season is lost there's no way even like james harden's not uh, you cannot find a picture of james harden doing that it's i've been trying to trying to figure out how long gilbert arenas was suspended for mm-hmm. uh because when he was suspended it was it was indefinite yeah just think about like you're you're desmond bain you're like this is how seriously best player is is taking this or just there anybody on that team or anyone in the organization it's like the face of our franchise is is, is like basically half in this and half in that stripper's ass <laughs> i mean losing adams hurts but something you can get over losing brandon clark after you've already lost adams complicates things further because he is he's one of the matchup guys that they can play and have a more uh, up-tempo more flexible more athletic lineup but if this is your star and your star might not be there. I'm sorry. I know David Roddy just killed Dallas. I, I, I'm not scared of David Roddy. Big body Roddy. A fan favorite. The guy that reminds me of one of my buddies. Who just I'm found out that David uh, his girlfriend's pregnant. So, you know, shout out. Oh, Congratulations. I don't think it's public knowledge yet. I'll, I'll bleed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine that's, 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 that's how everyone <laughs> finds out. <laughs> when it is public knowledge. Do you, do, you have any other, do you have any other close personal secrets that you want to disclose while we're... I mean, I announced that I was taking my wife to Ireland on a, on a podcast, being like, she'll never hear it. And fair <laughs> enough, she never heard it. <laughs> it's like a year in advance. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's... You want to talk about a team that has slip potential. I mean, not, not really because they've got their 14 games above 500 and they only have 16 games left, so they're not going to fall that far. I mean, you know, Memphis and Phoenix, no one's really chasing them. I don't think the Clippers want to get, well, I mean, I guess the Clippers could get into the three, but I don't think they, I don't think they can get that high. They've got a seven loss disadvantage. So so Memphis will be there, but it's just, this killed their season. Uh, it's a really unfortunate way because I don't think Ja comes back and plays this year. I'm, I'm not sure that he does. I didn't really consider that. I don't even know what I'd say about that given the limited information we have, but on Memphis really quickly, they do have the second easiest schedule going forward. They play the Rockets twice and the Spurs and the Magic and the Blazers and the Bulls and the Thunder, so they'll hold on to that, but it does feel like a team that will limp into the playoffs and then get creamed by someone who's having a great time and the vibes are good. Yeah, and and like the thing with Memphis is like low-key, they're actually fine in the regular season. Like Even when Jar doesn't play, like they, they just keep beating teams. It's once they get to the playoffs, if Jar isn't there or they're not in rhythm, and then, you know, they're going up against the Warriors or the Clippers or, you know, the Suns or the Lakers or the Mavs or whoever. And, and 
you know, all of a sudden you're... It's the entirety of the Western Conference. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the six seed's wide open, okay? Just to note really quickly, the teams you talked about, Phoenix has the second hardest strength of schedule to finish. Um, Sacramento the ninth, and for the 12th, Golden State 17th, Clippers 19th, Lakers 28th. Of, of those teams I just went through, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Mavs, the Lakers, as... Coming from a Kings perspective, who do you who do you think that the team matches up with really well? Like who do you want to see in that seven seed or that six seed if it works out that way? Or even that eight seed if it works out that way? Like cause the the narrative around the Kings is that it's like cute regular season story out in the first round. So like who's the matchup that you guys want in that first round? The matchup I'd want is uh is Dallas. In terms of uh in terms of just matchup, a team that also can't play any defense. Um I feel like our offenses would be better than them better than theirs and other than that maybe minnesota just in terms of a team that's kind of figuring it out they might have to reintegrate towns they also aren't that great they're kind of back and forth they're the worst rebounding team in the league that poses a nice matchup for sabonis um our three-point shooting can really stretch Rudy Gobert out the teams i'm dreading are just the teams that have been there it's the lakers it's it's the warriors and i think that's an obvious answer but jazz that's there that's my real answer i want to play the jazz in the first round (laughs) (laughs) they're the 10th seed right now it's not out of the not of the question You know, it'd be great as if the Pelicans could just go on a little run here, you know. Can we sneak Portland in, please? I don't know. I don't I don't think you want to see Portland. I just Can we have a fifteen second mini funeral on Portland season? Yeah. Can we just talk about the fact that Dame is like one of the five best offensive players in the entire league and his team is a you know, thirteen seed? Like Dame's having a ridiculous season offensively. And they're not even really close to it. They're Portland's the thirteen seed, they're a game behind the Thunder. Or a game and a half out of the 10 seed, two and a half out of the seven seed. I don't see that coming around. And for the season, I think I had them at like 37 wins or something. Just looking at that roster, I didn't, yeah. didn't really see yeah, and it. Like, and they've had some injuries, but not great. Yeah. And, and coming in when I did my projections and based it off sort of offensive and defensive rating, like this is pretty much what I predicted, like really good at offense and really bad at defense. And, you know, they're seven on offense and 27 on defense. And that works out to just be a pretty bad team. And it's been the story for like this entire run for Dame. You want to know what Dame's scoring average was by month? Hit me. October, 31 points per game. November, he gets hurt. He only plays six games out of their like 12. He's down to 22 points per game. December, 29 points per game. January, 34 points per game. February, 38 points per game. And then March, he's starting to cool back off. He's only had 40 points twice this month uh, in the six games he's played. He's at 32 points per game. And like, if you look at any sort of the all-in-one numbers too, you know, any sort of the advanced metrics, um, they all absolutely love the offensive season that he's having. So like uh, EPM, for example, um, offensive EPM, the top three in ascending order are Doncic, Jokic, and then number one is Damian Lillard. So like, and uh, offensive Raptor has the the same top three, just Doncic, um, Jokic at number one, and Lillard at number two. It's like what this dude's doing offensively is just absurd, and the team's fucking thirteenth seed. But you know who's number one in offensive Raptor? It's just a, it's just a go ahead and answer, answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> the Memphis works. Grizzlies lead the league <laughs> okay. in offensive Raptor. Okay. Any other notes about the Western Conference? No, but I also I know we I put I wanted to talk some Knicks and some Bucks in the pre-show. I don't really have too much to say other than Josh Hart looks great. You know, him playing the Clippers. I liked his on-ball creation. It was kind of weird. Him and Hartenstein were playing pick and roll. I haven't seen that much of him, but it's like he would 
play pick and roll, hit Hartenstein for the pass. Hartenstein would blow the layup, and then Hart would get the rebound and put it back in. I was like, ah, that's what I remembered. Him being a really good offensive rebounding guard. But without Brunson, and they've started to cool off lately, I'm not that excited to talk Knicks. Do you guys have Knicks takes? More so just wanted to mention that they're on fire. And just a quick question on on what you think that their ceiling is on that. Because we saw Randall make the playoffs a few years back. And then you're like, all right, Julius, let's be the first option on a playoff team. And just that didn't happen. Not work well versus Atlanta. But with Brunson there, I feel like if the Knicks make, if the Knicks could, looking at it right now, they'd play Philly. And for a Knicks team that tries. That will be a five game series. But the Knicks try all of the time. They really give a shit. And Philly's just not that the not that they're not they are a mentally fragile area, a building, a city, <laughs> a team, a team with with players that has have habits of breaking down at the worst spots, like Harden and B gets hurt at, at weird times in the playoffs. Um, I just I like that. I like they could get hot. I feel like they could give Philly a lot of trouble. I don't think they're gonna play Philly. Okay. They just lost their last three games, uh, which dropped them into that seed. If they win one more game, they're back up into the five. Um, and I think Brooklyn's not going to hold that five. I think I think we're going to see the Knicks play the Cavs, which I guess maybe Philly drops to four at some point. But I don't know. I just I don't think Brunson's actually that great. the The greatest of all talk podcast has this expression that they call the Paul Millsap exchange, where it's when a really good but non All Star player in the West goes to the East and he becomes an All Star. And th- there was a push to rename it the Brunson exchange. I think Brunson is a deserved All Star, but I just what he is the third best player if they play the Cavs. He's the third best player if they play the 76ers. That's just not not going to bode well. I offer that in his last 28 games, he's averaging 28 points, five and a half assists, and four boards. What's Embiid averaging? What's <laughs> James Harden averaging? I'm not saying he's What's better Donovan than Mitchell Embiid. averaging. <laughs> I'm not saying he's What's... better than Embiid, but at the same Where's time, Garland he's not. Doing? I think he's playing at a high enough level where it's not just a one-off, uh, one-off thing. I don't know. I'm a believer. That team crashes the boards like crazy. That gets to people. If, like the Pelicans almost beat Phoenix last year, doing the same thing, just like rebounding really well, being a lot bigger. I will say the Knicks are also starting to look like a smart team. Uh, Randall kind of dribbled into the corner against the Clippers and got trapped by Morris and Westbrook and quickly was running a different cut, realized it back cuts, uh, spots up, catches the ball for three. Like he, he realizes Randall's trapped, gets to the bailout spot, bails him out and hits the three. And it was, it was like a really smart recognizing what, what was going on. They're not going to play more than five playoff games. I'm just yeah. going to leave it at that. Something that I find really interesting and don't know exactly what to make of it with the Knicks is that the reason that they're good is they're actually really good on offense and not that good on defense. Even though they always play a traditional center, you know, like Thibs won't play without a rim protector. Tom Thibodeau's their coach. They've got, you know, they play traditional power forwards even, you know, they play Randall on top and they never go small. Somehow they're winning by offense, just outscoring teams and are actually mediocre on defense. Because the young guards are good. I will ask this. If you combined the New York teams and just said, all right, you guys have to share. How deep is that playoff team going? Uh, I mean, the the playoffs is about like your your top end guys. And like you just said, the Knicks best player is the third best player in any series that they play. But instead of Mitchell Robinson, you have Nick Claxton. Instead of RJ Barrett, you're playing Cam Johnson. Crushing my Knicks, my Knicks hope right now. <laughs> Came into this with like, you're like, oh yeah, I could see that. You know, Randall gets hot and... Just like nope, yeah. Oh, five I game mean, series. All right, thanks guys. <laughs> would you next like week me to... on the Hoops Double Podcast? <laughs> would you like me to open up the closet and grab my Lakers number thirty jersey? 
Like, what are you talking about, Randall getting hot? I've lived (laughs) this life. (laughs) Yeah, you were a summer 30. I'm painfully unaware of numbers for teams. I couldn't tell you the number for us. Hey, Aaron, what what do you think Marvin Bagley's chances of getting hot are (laughs) in a playoff series? (laughs) They're they're worse than Randall's. (laughs) (laughs) Trey Lyles is better. Anyways, he should have been the number two overall pick. Trey Lyles. (laughs) You mean Mr. Traded for Donovan Mitchell, Trey Lyles? good enough now he's good that's not even a bad trade traded lyle he's six nine defends the defends defends on all uh all the positions handles the ball he can shoot threes he's a perfect player basically as long as he only <laughs> plays about 15 minutes <laughs> oh good okay it was trey lyles i was like it was trey lyles let me double check that it's trey lyles and tyler lydon that's good good job denver yes great trade all right i i also wanted to talk bucks who were streaking then have decided to rest Giannis. Both of these would have been much better topics had we recorded. Had we recorded like on Wednesday. So instead of talking Bucks, you guys want to just jump to MVP? Yeah, I'm down. Looks really good. Yeah, I'm, I mean the MVP discussion has to involve a bit of talk about the Bucks. So exactly, Jokic. That's your segue. <laughs> yeah, it's Jokic. Jokic. Yeah, I agree. It's Jokic. He's, the, he's just this insane offensive enigma on the best offense. Second best offense, not the best offense, second best offense, very specifically on the, in the league. So how do you guys feel about him winning three straight? I think the... I've seen a lot of videos saying like, oh, like LeBron didn't do that and MJ didn't do that and mm-hmm. all these guys. You're telling me Jokic has more MVPs than Kevin Durant, Shaq, and Kobe combined? Mm-hmm. You've run into this interesting issue where... The regular season has been devalued so much in regular, both in the way players take it seriously and in the discussions that we have. Oh, but can we do it? To the, do, can he do it in the playoffs? Can he do it in the playoffs? Let's see him do it in the playoffs first. That we've run into the point where guys aren't just all right. Nice regular season. Here's the MVP award. It's more than that. So it's both. It's a very serious award that's just a regular season award, and no one cares about the regular season. So we're kind of stuck in that spot. But also going back to the Jordan Lebron thing, if Jokic wins a title this year, it confirms everything. The three MVPs are fine. Mm. Oh, he totally should win those three MVPs. He wins. He won a championship. It's almost like can we it... need him to do only only the best of the best can accomplish his feat. But maybe he does those things later. Maybe yeah. those three MVPs you... are just the start of something great, and then everything's fine. Do you know? What'd be really interesting as if um. You know, this whole discourse of, no, he can't win three MVPs. Like, he's done nothing in the postseason. Like, we can't give it to him. Let's give it to someone else. So they just give it to Giannis. What happens if he then goes in and does win the championship? Like, how fucking dumb do you look if you're like, no, we can't give it to Jokic because he hasn't done anything in the playoffs. And then he goes and wins the championship. We look as dumb as we all looked back when we did that to Giannis. And we said, <laughs> no, nah, we can't do it. give it to him. Let's give it to Jokic. And then Giannis wins the championship. It's... I, I did like Aaron's first point because I was doing some digging into this because I I do struggle with the idea of like hey MVP means you were the best player that year ish it not truly but like you had the best season um and how does Jokic have three of these and Shaq has one and so I I went sorry I that's it I went I looked at Shaq's thing because you can make the case that Shaq is the best player after Jordan retires uh until LeBron is drafted not necessarily that LeBron becomes the best but just like 99 to 2003, like that is that is Shaq's peak. And he gets one MVP in that the time frame. And part of it is he doesn't play. Between 95, when he takes the Magic to the finals, and 2004, he plays 70 or more games in just two seasons. Now, in the lockout season, he does play 49 out of 50, so great. He does not play as well. He's fat Shaq. 
didn't have time to work himself into shape. We'll give him a pass. But when I look back at Shaq's awards, Shaq loses out in the 95 MVP. He's second, pretty distant second behind Robinson. It's fine. The story of the season, regular season, is Robinson was better. Playoffs, Robinson implodes. 2001, Iverson's year that he wins it. I actually do think Shaq had a much better case statistically. And looking at what we know about basketball now and the advanced metrics, there's no way Iverson should have won that. That should have been Shaq's. But also, yeah, the Lakers, eh, they the second best record in the league tied with the 76ers. Shaq's got Kobe. I, I understand it. I'm, I don't hate that choice. 2002, Shaq is third. Duncan was phenomenal. Duncan's numbers blow Shaq out of the water. Like, I don't hate any of these. And then we get to the 05 one, where Shaq loses to Steve Nash by seven votes. And this is like Nash, this is not even Nash's best year. Nash doesn't win MVP two years later because he has a better seat, or because he's won two and then doesn't do it in the playoffs. And they say, you can't win it because you didn't do it in the playoffs. But like, this is Shaq's like 10th best year of his career. And it's the second closest he comes to winning MVP. Like, just sometimes that's just how these things work. Is it's who has a better year that year? It, it'd kind of be a shame if this was Shaq's second MVP in like his 10th best year. If you look at like Carl Malone, he's always an MVP conversation. His team's yeah. always really good. And he plays every single game. That's just part of it. When you say like, oh, I can't believe Shaq only has one MVP. You can't believe a player of Shaq's caliber has one MVP. You, are, you, are you really surprised if I said... I can't believe Shaq only has one regular season MVP. You're like, yeah, he doesn't, mm -hmm. he doesn't, he gets hurt. And it's, he, he is historically just waits until the playoffs. He wasn't taking it seriously. Why would, why would we bitch and moan about that when he wasn't even trying to win those awards? He was just healing on company time and, and getting, getting in shape. He came in, you know, deep, all these seasons out of shape. Like he was doing this on purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, if we look back at Jokic's three, starting in 2021, the Nuggets, have the third best record in the West, the fifth best record overall. 76ers have the best record in the East, third best record overall. Um, Jokic plays 72 games, and Embiid plays 51 games. That's the top two. I'm sorry. I'm going to choose the guy that played 72 as opposed to the guy that played 51. I don't, I don't really have that big a beef with that. I mean, maybe you could say Curry. But once again, Curry played 63, and the Warriors in 2021 were the eighth seed and got bounced in the play-in like that that's Jokic great 2022 games are closer Jokic is on a worse team than Embiid but the numbers are just so in favor of Jokic he is better rebounder better passer more wind shares much better efficiency like it, it, it's Jokic and then this year I like how basketball reference does their probability Jokic is a 60% most likely to win this. It's it's a 60% probability. And if you said, hey, it's 60-40 that Jokic wins versus the field, like, I think that's about right. I'm not ruling out Giannis's case. I still think Giannis, uh, if the Bucks go to, on a really great stretch down here with Middleton back, I'm reserving judgment. I'd give Giannis a look. I'd consider him. I'd, I'd still consider Embiid. But yeah, I think just when we actually look at it year by year, he's the guy that's actually running the race and trying to get it. The case against Giannis is just that he's not really playing. Yeah. The Bucks has been great. He's just that out there to the to the point that you made i mean there's kind of always been this kind of stupid argument about like redefining what an mvp is right like we all kind of know what it means it's it's the best the player who had the best regular season there's different ways you can look at it but that's essentially how it's defined um and there's been talk of having you know a, a best player in the nba award instead um with 
the de-emphasis on regular season. And that's just going to keep getting worse because there are too many games and the owners are you know, too greedy to reduce the schedule. They don't want to lose any money. Is it time that we should redefine how we look at MVP and don't say, okay, who had the best regular season, but who was the best overall player? And maybe this avoids this kind of thing where how did Shaq only get one MVP and how does LeBron only, you know, win two in a row despite being the best player for, you know, a 10-year stretch? Like, is it just time that we redefine how we decide an MVP because the regular season is a joke? I think you'd have to, but you uh, as a, excuse me, you also struggle to find a, a way to redefine it in a way that changes the voting. I don't find it you, to be... You could say that. I don't, I don't think you have to, but you could say like, oh, it's the best player, but how does that change this year's race? Like, what's the difference in terms of fact? I had one last point before it gets too far away from being relevant. Um, the complaint against Durant and Shaq and Kobe having won MVP, there's only 35 people that have ever won an NBA MVP. If you're giving Shaq three MVPs, you're taking them away from other people. There's like a finite amount of MVPs. Just because a guy is of this Pantheon top 15 player ever caliber, if he wins an MVP, he takes one from somebody else. You can't just be like, oh, he should have won four, and he should have won three, and mm. how does this? How does LeBron not have seven? And you're like, come on, because then no one would have an MVP. And like, anyways, but... I like the fact that in NBA history, playing games has mattered for MVP discussions. We we got really heavy into rings culture. Just the whole basketball discourse did. You have to have rings. Rings culture is going to butt up against MVP at some point where we say, hey, this guy's got five rings. Yeah, but he's only got like one or two MVPs. Um, you know, Jordan got six MVPs and Jordan played 80 or more games in each of those seasons. You want an MVP every season, Durant? Play 80 games. You want an MVP every season, LeBron? Play 80 games. Don't join the Warriors. There's your Durant argument. Don't join the Warriors. You want MVPs? Yeah. Don't play with a guy that's just as good as you. you know, LeBron, he gets five MVPs in four seasons, which is more than any anyone. I mean, I check back with Bill Russell. Yeah, no, Bill Russell still doesn't hit five and four. Well, he gets, sorry, he gets, he gets four and five. But like, that is... That is the most anyone has ever gotten in a five-year span, tied with Russell. Uh, and the one that he doesn't get, 2011, which you could say, hey, he needs that one. If he gets that one, he has five straight MVPs, which is insane. That's the year that he jumps to Miami, and we put this, uh, we don't want to give it to the guy that moved. Well, all right, Giannis hasn't moved, Embiid hasn't moved, and Jokic haven't moved. And the fact that they've been the top three MVP candidates, or three of the top MVP candidates in the last five years, I think, I think that's important. I mean, really, if we look back at MVP, LeBron getting it in 2012 after moving to Miami the previous year, that's like the last time we've seen a guy change teams and win MVP within like two years of, of changing. Almost all of the MVPs are homegrown or were traded and you know traded kind of against their will. It's not like I demanded a trade. I mean, Phoenix, Steve Nash, uh, signs in free agency, but Dallas also wasn't trying to re-sign him. Like... It's just a little bit different. I think I think there are lessons to be learned here for players that if they want MVPs, the Jokic, Giannis, and Bead route is is the right way to go. And then you just have to actually be there. You have to play the games. That that matters. I think you're right. It's just like if you want awards, play games, but it's also not in your best interest to play games. And the best players are going to continue to miss games. And you know we're gonna people are going to look back in thirty years and think that like. Jokic had this amazing stretch of being the best player in the NBA when people living through this time know that he was, you know, maybe never actually that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. fair. And that's 
hey, I use awards in my matrix, I use awards in my all-time player rankings discussions, but I think it's also really important to dig in and discuss what those awards means and contextualize them. So don't just throw out guys have MVPs, talk about how they got them. Yeah, like like if, if you want to get into all-time discussions, like you can't just be like looking at these MVPs. You need to be following Hoops Temple and Possible Cheers on TikTok to really get the context. Historical analysis. Some guy asked me why I was why I had an opinion on Bill Walton's nineteen eighty six six man of the year. I'm like, it's just that's just what I do. I didn't I don't know what to say. I'm like, that's what I talk about? Like <laughs> it's like my job, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do something to distract you from studying. Oh jeez, don't even get don't even don't <laughs> don't even <laughs> We have any other comments, concerns about this NBA season reaching its end? We can have a, each time we come on, we can acknowledge the teams that got eliminated: the Pistons, the Spurs, and the Rockets officially officially eliminated from playoff contention. Wow, is that it? Ooh. That's it so far. Wow. Yeah, it's not always the Hornets are still in it. All right. Well, I know Dylan did a wonderful plug, but Aaron, where can the people find you? Possible chairs on TikTok. Dylan, where can people find you? The Breakers are in the NBL Finals at the at the moment. The New Zealand team is um, playing in the finals of the Australian New Zealand League. Um, it's a 2-2 series at the moment, best of five. We're going to Sydney for the last game. Um, future top 10 pick, Ryan Rupert, playing for the Breakers. And future Washington Wizards player, Xavier Cooks, playing for the um, for the Sydney Kings. So Very I'll cool. be I'll be staying up to catch that. Nice. That's awesome. I was really hoping you were going to say you're going. Uh, I, went to, I, went, I went to one game. The, f- the finals in Sydney, though. I'm not going <laughs> to catch a plane to... Lack of dedication. Yeah. Come on, real yeah. fans. Yeah. I'll be at the Kings playoff game. Yeah, if, if the Kings were in the finals, do you think Aaron wouldn't go? If if the finals in fucking Toronto, would you go? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> going that far. I like life basketball. I don't love life. I don't love a, I don't love a eight hour plane ride across Aaron. the international border. Kings the, are in a game first... in Toronto for the NBA okay. championship. And for some reason, you've been... Okay, if I was offered, but it'd be expensive. I can't you've been able to chance. afford tickets. Well, we're not going to okay. yeah, offer you go if I could. You got tickets. Game, but that's, that's, if we, I would do most things if they were free. Financial burden <laughs> is what holds me back from a lot of, a lot of experiences. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me here and find me on TikTok, Hoops Temple. Also email us, hoopstemple at gmail.com. Any questions, any takes, love to hear from you guys. Peace out. Nice job, right?